I have only described myself this way to a few people, but I think if I explain to you what I mean, you will agree that at the end of the day, I am a classicist. And what I mean by that is that in music, when I get to the double bar, the movement is over and I'm done. Likewise, in worship, once we have finished the formal liturgy, I feel like I have prayed. I am finished. Likewise, in saying the daily office, I get to the end of the daily office and I am tempted to say I have done my duty, close the prayer book, or my device these days, you know, close it and say I've done my prayer. My spiritual director this week, not for the first time, challenged me. Um, mm -hmm. challenged me to consider what does it mean to pray once all the formal words are done. Once you get to the double bar and the piece as it is written is finished. To step into that terrifying silence. To perhaps say the authentic words that are on my heart and nobody else's to our God or even more terrifyingly, to listen, to hear what God has to say to me. Last week I talked about the threefold path of the spiritual journey. Purgation, illumination, and union. Purgation beginning with that purging, that letting go of all of the things that keep us from God, that keep us from stepping through that doorway into the fullness of relationship with God in Christ. Illumination, to embrace the truth of God's love for us, and ultimately union and how we express that in this place by the way our worship space is designed. In ancient times, baptism was thought as the primary step of purgation. That's why it's near the entrance. Illumination is supposed to be happening, well, it's supposed to be happening right now. Mm -hmm. With us all gathered together here in the nave. And then union with God, of course, is expressed as we gather at God's table and let go of all the things that divide us and separate us and make those distinctions and hierarchies that the world loves to play in. And we come together with God and each other Last week, when Jeremiah is speaking to a people about to be taken into exile, we were looking closely at purgation. This week, our readings seem to take us to the threshold of illumination and a place of enormous frustration for Jesus. I like to call this gospel Jesus' gripe that goes along the lines of you can't win for losing in this town. Mm -hmm. Right? 
And in a language that's very indicative of his culture, he appeals in this wonderful way to this scene in the marketplace where people are shouting at each other. And in his world, the men were the ones who danced at the weddings. And the women were the ones who mourned at the funerals, if you will. And so it is like girls and boys shouting at each other in the marketplace. You know, we played for you, but you did not dance, say the girls. The men say, we wailed, but you did not mourn to the girls. Jesus, of course, is pointing out this incredibly irritating issue for all prophets, and that is this sense of not being heeded or heard. John the Baptist, of course, came proclaiming a message of repentance to the people of Israel, calling them to purgation, to let go of those things which locked them from an authentic relationship with God and one another. But instead of mourning and entering a period of contrition, people scoffed and laughed and went about their ordinary lives in all their busyness. They said, John's crazy. Then Jesus comes along and engages in table fellowship, in talk and conversation, in drinking and partying. He is the bridegroom in that great image of the gospel. The wedding banquet is here when he is here, you see. And then people scoff at him, too. Well, he's a drunkard. Who wants to engage with him? They will not let go, like we will not let go often of the things that distract us, the things that we wind our egos around, the things that keep us distracted from God's love for us. Just yesterday there was an article in the paper about a recent sociological study of young men, and the young men were given a choice. You can keep your device and keep your contact with texting and emailing and all the things you do, but you will experience a little bit of pain. That was the first choice. The second choice was not to experience pain, but to set aside your device and be alone for a while. Guess which the men by and large chose? Yeah. The pain. The pain. It was more painful for them to be alone without the distraction and addiction of their devices than it was for them just to remain connected, even if it was uncomfortable and exhausting. Now, how many of you can identify with that? Yeah? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to turn off the noises and distractions of life. We are addicted to our busyness, to our obsessions, whatever they may be. And we have a world that exploits that over and over and over again. Look closely, listen, and hear the noise. 
Jesus offers an alternative to that. And yet it seems strange that he talks about his yoke, his burden, being easy. Because I don't know about you, this, this spiritual journey of purgation, illumination, and union is pretty hard for me. It's hard for you? I think if it were easy, we wouldn't need to gather like this. We wouldn't need to work at it. We wouldn't even need to talk about it. But running deeply between the readings today are some beautiful word plays. The first of them is this word, easy, which in the Greek is Christos, which is just one letter removed, interestingly enough, from Christos, the name of Christ. And it's not an absolute word. It's used in other ways in the New Testament to describe things like goodness and kindness. But it is a relative word. In other words, it is a comparative. It might be better to translate this passage as Jesus saying, My yoke is easier. My burden is lighter. Easier than the world's. Well, how so, Jesus? How is it easier than the world's? Better the demon you know, right? We know how to deal with the world. We know what the agendas and the rules are. We play in those all the time. But the other thread running through today's readings goes back to the beautiful prophecy from Zechariah. That familiar passage, which many of you will remember, is quoted when Jesus enters Jerusalem triumphantly on a donkey. And the word that connects that with Jesus' words in today's gospel, when he is talking about himself, is the word for humility, gentleness. And it is connected in all of its irony with a complete disarming. The most disarming thing about Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem is he doesn't come in like a white knight in shining armor or a great warrior king. He doesn't come in with an army ready to overthrow the authorities. He is not there to bring a bloody rebellion. Instead, he lives into the words of the prophet Zechariah. He comes to bring peace. The weapons of war are turned into the weapons of new life. Violence is set aside. And in fact, that may well be the greatest contrast of all between Jesus' yoke and all the yokes we assume from the world. Because if you think about it for very long, all the yokes we have in the world are inherently violent. Now we are blessed to live in a time and a place where we don't expect an army to appear on our hillsides tomorrow, armed to the teeth, ready to overthrow our government. Many people have lost their lives to make that possible for us. But we still live in a world where we always live by the world's rules, 
that say, if you don't work hard enough, if you don't know enough, if you aren't skilled enough, if you don't know the right people, then you are at risk of economic privation, of hunger, losing your home, losing recognition, losing your identity. That's what the world tells us over and over again. And it is a very subtle but clear system of violence, always at work. Jesus offers the alternative to that. Not because it's easy, but because it's easier and lighter. It is a relationship where Jesus is fully present with us in all of our terrible entanglements, as Paul discloses in this wonderfully ironic and funny rhetoric from the letter to the Romans today. He talks about how he wrestles within himself, how we all wrestle within ourselves, with our contradictions. And yet Jesus is telling us, I am here to remind you that God loves you in the midst of those and comes to you without threat, but rather with promise and love. Last night, I was sitting at our computer at home, and true to form, whatever happens at home, if my wife is sitting at the computer or I'm sitting at the computer, our two-year-old daughter comes over and wants to be part of the action. And so she did. She came over and she climbed up onto my lap. And I thought, oh great, here I am trying to finish my sermon and really pull my stuff together and you know it's late at night how am I going to get this done and she wiggled for a minute and then she settled down and started to go to sleep and I looked down at her and she looked up at me and her eyes opened she said I love you daddy and then she fell asleep and I thought that's it isn't it right there right there that's what Jesus means when he says, I have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and revealed them to infants. Because all day yesterday, spending time with my daughter, she was either crying because she was upset or she was rejoicing because she was joyful and having fun. She was living life. As the wisdom literature says, there is a time for dancing and there is a time for mourning. She lives that every day. Every day. That's the authenticity that Jesus calls us to as we set down the yokes of the world and pick up the yoke of Christ. Will you do that now? Will I? This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community 
for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.